everyone. This is Greg Drevenson, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine, and your host for the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. Our guest today is Jess Stone. Stone is the co-founder of Roughly, a company that offers ethically made outdoor dog gear, such as collars, leashes, harnesses, and beds. Jess and her husband, Greg, started Roughly after developing the K9 Moto cockpit to carry their German Shepherd Moxie on the back of Jess's BMW G650GS. The K9 Moto cockpit allowed Jess, Greg, and Moxie to enjoy motorcycle adventures throughout Mexico and Central America. Next year, the three of them will travel around the world by motorcycle to raise funds for Girl Up, an organization that provides leadership development programs for girls in 130 countries and all 50 states. Jess, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. Awesome. So I know that you're an avid motorcyclist, dog owner, nonprofit advocate, and entrepreneur. Uh, that's quite a few passions. And a few years ago, you wrote an article that sort of how all they came, came together. You wrote an article for Rider Magazine uh, called Have Your Dog and Ride With Her Too. So uh, tell us a little bit about motorcycling and dogs and the nonprofit world and your company. Sure. So there's a lot, I guess, to unpack there. Um, I started riding um, in Liberia is actually where I started, uh, where I learned to ride. Uh, oh. My husband and I were international aid workers in South Sudan, and we soon moved over to Liberia at the beginning of our relationship uh, because we had jobs there. And uh, my husband, he always had this idea that he wanted to complete his north to south trip because he did from Los Angeles to Panama, ran out of money, couldn't finish the trip. And so he said, OK, I always want to go back. I want to do this. I want to do the full trip. So he told me, um, he's like, you can come along, but you'll have to learn how to ride. So that's how that started. And I wasn't ready to, to give up on Greg yet. We were brand new together. And so I was like, I can do this. I can learn. So we just <laughs> bought some uh, small little like 160cc little sport bikes uh, to learn in, uh, in Monrovia and Liberia. And uh, he taught me, which was not a good idea, but he taught me. <laughs> and I had about, uh, about 2,000 miles I had done there. And then we moved back to the States and that's when we, we bought our BMWs that we have now. And we did, we did the North to South trip. So we did from LA, we got up to Whistler and then back down to Chile. So it was eight awesome. months and, and we did that. Wow. So what was the riding like in Liberia? I've, that's not a country that most people talk about uh, traveling to or traveling, you know, doing motorcycling. What were the riding conditions like there? So the roads are not always paved. Uh, the main city has obviously paved roads with potholes, um, but there is a rainy season and I learned during the rainy season. So there were a lot of times where there were washouts and or we started and it started to pour on us. Um, but there was a lot of good like dirt riding. And that was like the very first time um, where, where I, well, it was the first time that I was able to like ride through dirt puddles and water puddles and just get used to that feel. Do it, did I love it? No. Uh, was I scared? Yes. <laughs> but I was able to make it through and uh, had a few, obviously, some crashes and tip overs, but nothing too major. Sure. Well, so if you went from a 160cc small bike um, in, uh, in Liberia and you came to the United States, uh, what sort of BMW did you get yourself on? So I got the G650 GS and my okay. husband got the F700. And the reason why we did that is because when he was on his trip, uh, he had met this, met this great couple and they had the, the F650s at the time. Um, and they said that was the best bike to do a trip like this on. And so that's, that's, what we, that's what we decided on when we got here. 
Yeah, it's pretty bulletproof, uh, you know, as a platform, and especially for if you're going to do, uh, you know, kind of a multi-country uh, adventure trip like that. How was it going from a small bike to a larger bike? And then, of course, if you're doing a long trip, you've got to have, you know, luggage and all of your, you know, supplies and gear and everything. Yeah, it was it was tough for me. Um, it did take me a long time until I felt comfortable riding on that 650. Um, it, it was just, we started with doing a few little practice trips around the Los Angeles area. Um, and then after about a month or two, we already set off. And uh, like even just going onto the freeway was a tough one for me because obviously in Liberia, like it's not fast pace, like it's very slow. So all of those things, it, it took me a while to get used to it. Um, and we, I had a few like minor meltdowns, mental meltdowns as I was going, um, feeling like, I don't think I can do this. And I always just felt so tired the whole time. And I couldn't figure out what it was. It's like, all I wanted to do at the end of the day was just to stay in the hotel and relax. And my husband, he just wanted to go out and do things. And I was like, how do you have the energy? But it turns out I was just so stressed throughout the day because it's like, I didn't understand I was just so worried about what the next thing to come would be. Like I was worried if there was going to be a construction site up ahead, will I be able to pass through it? Will I be able to make it through that? Will I be able to go through that water crossing? There were all of these stressors that it's like, it was, I wasn't able to enjoy it. So it took me a while until I was able to really feel like, okay, I can do this. I'm a rider. I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. Uh, but then I got there and it, it really turned things around for me. Well, that certainly is a baptism by fire, because if Greg is, you know, was already an experienced motorcyclist and a lot of the things that you do on a motorcycle, particularly in challenging situations like freeways, especially in LA, but is mm -hmm. it all this stuff becomes second nature, it's muscle memory. So if you're having to um, sort of think through all of that, like I said, it, it eats up a lot of your bandwidth and I can understand how stressful that would be, especially if you're trying to go on a long trip. So. So the two of you on your two bikes, you went, you said you went up to Whistler and then you came down and then you went all the way down to Chile. So, yes. um, and that was just the two of you. Yes, that was just the two of us. Yep, eight months, the two of us. Mm -hmm. So where does, where does Moxie come in? So as we passed through, uh, we passed through Guatemala, obviously, um, and absolutely loved it. And was it was sort of on our bucket list of a place that we'd like to be. So when we finished the trip, um, we spent two years in New Orleans um, and it was after those two years where I was sort of like, I feel like we need to leave again. Like we've been living overseas for so long. It's tough to just stay in one place all that time. And I had the added pressure because I am a Canadian and Greg is American. Uh, we got married. And if I had stayed one more year in New Orleans, I could have gotten my citizenship and I would have been free and home free. But because we didn't stay, I am a permanent resident, but I'm not a citizen. So I gave up on that dream um, because Greg got a good job out here in Guatemala working for a women's uh, microfinance nonprofit and he was doing their health program. So we came out here for that. And then it was, it was probably about like three months after we got here, we were like, we really love it here. And now is the time where I get to have what I wanted, which is a dog. I've been wanting a dog forever, but because we travel so much, it just wasn't, it wasn't feasible to do it. But we said, okay, we're gonna stay here for a bit. So let's have the dog. So I found a breeder. Um, it was this American guy who had brought his two German shepherds over uh, from the States and he had his first litter. Um, and so I got, uh, we went over there to go and see them. And like, I just fell in love with Moxie uh, and we brought her home. 
Um, and we obviously had that conversation because the two of us, we only have bikes. We don't have cars. We were thinking, well, what are we going to do with her? Like, how are we going to take her with us? Because we didn't want to leave her at home. We were new puppy parents. And obviously, uh, you know, you want to be with them. So uh, that's how we started coming up with ways that we could carry Moxie along um, on our adventures. Cool. So can I just pause with it? So are you in Guatemala now? Yeah. That's where you're based? Oh, okay. Wow. I, I did one podcast interview with somebody in Austria. And so yep. this is my second international uh, podcast interview. It's great to be able to do this via Zoom. I mean, obviously we're recording the audio and, and so, but we see each other via video. So uh, that's great. So you're, the, and the connection is fantastic. So you must have a good internet connection down there. So <laughs> yeah, right now we do. <laughs> so, um, so you wanted to be able to bring Moxie with you. So, you know, and, you know, a lot of people have probably seen photographs uh, and I see people on, on, you know, on bike paths and things where they've got a little dog in a basket or a backpack or something, but you've got a German shepherd and a full size, a full grown German shepherd is how much does Moxie weigh? She's now 75 pounds. Wow. So that's yes. uh that's a, I mean, not, that would be small by passenger standards necessarily, but uh, passengers are, you know, you have a, a dog and not a human passenger. So how did you figure out a way to carry Moxie with you on your motorcycle? So we knew Moxie was going to be a beast. Like we saw her parents, we, her parents were over a hundred pounds and she, she already looked like the runt of the litter, but we knew she'd be over 70 pounds full grown. And so we looked on the market, what was available and there was really nothing for dogs that were like over 50 pounds um, and nothing that we really liked the style and look of. Um, obviously there's a lot of stuff out there on the market for small dogs. You can get the little carriers, uh, you can have people will put them in the backpacks. There's all different sort of ways to take small dogs, like up to 20 pounds. Once you get past that 50 pound mark, it, it, it was really scarce. There was nothing. So we did um, what we could out here. Uh, we started with a milk crate. Uh, when Moxie was probably like four or five months old, uh, she was she was only like, I don't know, 40 pounds maybe at the time. Um, and we put her in the milk crate. We strapped the milk crate down to the back of my bike. And it, it had to be my bike, let me just say, because I wanted to be the one who was responsible for my puppy. Greg, uh, he's he's fine carrying all of my luggage. I love that, but I get to have the dog. Right so it was it was going to be on me. So we put the milk crate down or on the bike. Um, we lifted her up. We, we put her in there and she was fine. We didn't really ride around too much with her, but it was sort of proof of concept that it's possible that I could have the dog behind me. And then from that, we started looking around at what other options there were. And one of the things that we see here in Guatemala a lot are the um, the pizza like motorbike de motorbike deliveries. Sure. So they basically have like those those things on the back of their bikes where they carry all of the food and whatever for delivery. And it's normally like a metal box. Mm -hmm. We thought, hmm, we could do that. Moxie could fit in something like that. So we looked around for it. We didn't, we didn't end up buying one, but we did have a connection to a metal workshop here where we're living in, in Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. And we asked them to sort of like fabricate this thing. At first we, we did it with aluminum where it was like basically an aluminum box which is what you, when you see DIY versions of carriers, a lot of people will start with like an aluminum box, um, but it was way too heavy. Um, the base plate, everything was just way too heavy. We had like huge roll bars over, if you think wow. about like a, a Jeep or something like that, um, we just sort of went full out. Uh, it was too heavy, it was uncomfortable. Um, I wasn't comfortable on it. Moxie didn't seem really comfy in it either. So we scrapped that. Then we came to basically the version of what we we have now, which is the K9 Moto cockpit. And that is basically, it's a metal uh, frame that's upholstered. Um, it's basically uh, 
when the it's meant for the dog when they're laying down in the laying down position so okay. that way the weight is really like close to the bike um she's laying down so she's not sitting up and like losing her balance or making me as the rider lose my balance um she's harnessed in she's got a harness where she's harnessed in the front and in the back so she just basically stays put uh she can with her 75 pounds i don't have to lift her she can leap up onto my bike she turns around she lays down we harness her in and then she's good to go wow that's cool well i, I had a small uh, dog at, that was um would was not a very cooperative dog and so i just i always am you know envious when i see people that have their dogs in like a little basket or you have a dog that is clearly willing to not only get up on the back of your motorcycle but ride and not get freaked out and so forth i mean you have her harnessed in for safety but uh she seems she seems to enjoy the rides yeah definitely and and it's funny like the the more people that that we get with their canine moto cockpits the first question that they'll ask us is sort of like how long does it sort of take to to train your dog how to ride honestly it, it's the human that takes forever like the dog <laughs> within a weekend the dog is leaping up the dog is up there and comfy uh you know it's it it only took probably a weekend for us to get moxie comfy for me i was thinking okay let's wait a little bit longer here and let's like take our time let's turn the engine on let's go through this whole process right. but no she was she was ready to go so it's just a matter of giving them a lot of positive reinforcement during the training process um if your dog is, likes to like ride in the car with their head out the window, or if they like to be on a boat, or if they like those types of things, then they're gonna most likely like being in, in, in their cockpit. So is this what inspired you to start Roughly? Tell us about that. Yeah, so Roughly is we build ethical outdoor dog gear. So that's like collars, leashes, beds, bandanas, poop bag dispensers, all of, all of the dog gear. And the reason why we started it was because of Moxie. Uh, when I got her, I wanted something that paired the beauty and the, the vibrant colors that I saw here in Guatemala, but, that, that, but was going to be durable. Um, because there are a lot of beautiful things out here, but were they gonna really like stand up to my German Shepherd? Probably not. Um, and a lot of the stuff was in leather and I'm not a big fan of leather. So I, I wanted to see what else we could do. Um, and with the nonprofit that Greg was supporting, um, out here, they have they had an artisan program where they've got indigenous women who do their traditional weaving techniques. And so we were able to get in contact with them. We created the designs and we had them create these beautiful ribbons. Um, and then from that, we were able to create the collars and then we, we grew from there through all of our different products. But it's it, we work with all of the, the indigenous Guatemalan women here, um, giving them the paying them for what they're really worth. Um, that's always a struggle out here in, in these places. Um, and we just wanted to make sure that we were paying them a decent wage for everything that they're providing. They get to work from home so they can take care of their kids while wow. they're doing their weaving. Um, and so it's just a, it's a great community. And, and if you see the, the women in there, in their settings, they, they've become like these leaders. Um, they, one of our, our head artisans, she has like employed a whole bunch of people under her to help her to meet up, to meet the demand that we're asking for. So it's just really helped employ a lot of people. And, it, and we're just really proud of, of Roughly. Wow. So, so all of the products are made there in Guatemala and then 
you, you know, I guess if you have customers in the United States or other countries that you ship them directly from Guatemala or do they go through so, distributors or how do you? Yeah, so we have a, we have a distributing center in Los Angeles. So okay. any of the gear ships out from there, the cockpits actually ship out directly from here. So we have the workshop out here that does all the metal work. We also have the painting and the upholstery that all takes place here. Um, and then we pack it up, um, send it by DHL and we ship worldwide and it's free international shipping. So if you're in Australia, uh, you get it for free free shipping wow that's cool that's cool yeah. so uh roughly it's been how long has your company been around now so or roughly has been around for about three years now doing dog gear um the cockpits we've been selling them we've been creating them and selling them for about a year and a half now oh. um so we have um a little over a hundred cockpits around the world right now that's cool that's very cool so you know you have a a new company it's it's three years so it's you know it's doing well is that you and Greg and Moxie have a pretty big trip planned for next year. So tell, tell us how this came about, what inspired it? So like any adventure rider, like having wanting to do an around the world trip, I think that's pretty standard. Everybody sort of dreams of something big like that. Uh, so it's always been on our list. And to be honest, we never really thought we were going to be able to do it. Um, we, we did that north to south and we thought, okay, well, I guess maybe that's it. Maybe that's all we can really do. And with the business, we thought, well, we could probably only just take a little bit of time out to go and do some trips around Central America, which is sort of what we've been doing. Um, but the more that I, th that I thought about it, uh, and the more that I was thinking about this organization that we're supporting, it's called Girl Up, and they were founded by the United Nations Foundation. And their mission is really to um, create change makers in girls around the world. And so they work in 120 different countries. They have these girl clubs in all of these different countries. And they do like leadership development training and providing them with advocacy skills so that they can advocate for the issues that matter most to them. Um, and it's just a really awesome organization. And I came across them years ago, um, but never really was in a position to, to do something big and to support them. So I was thinking, well, I want to do more. Like as much as with Roughly, we're supporting the Indigenous women out here, I wanted to sort of take it bigger. Um, so when I thought about how I could support Girl Up, and then I thought about, wait, I do this really cool thing. Like I ride with my big German Shepherd on the back. Like that's a really like unique thing. And maybe there's some way that I can pair them together where I can help and raise money for this awesome organization and do a thing that I love and get visibility for it. So that's how that sort of came together. And we decided on doing an around the world trip to raise $100,000 for Girl Up uh, throughout this process. Wow, wow. Well, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, like I said, if you're gonna be, how long is this trip gonna, are you anticipating? So, <laughs> so we, said it was eight, we said it was 18 months and then we right. looked at it more closely and we're like, mm, I don't think so. I think it's gonna be closer to two, two and a half years um, because the way that we sort of planned it where, we will probably ride three or four days of the week and work the other half of the week um, and be stationary um, so that we can maintain the business and keep things going. So uh, it sort of cuts down on the time that we're riding. Well, that's what I was going to ask is, you know, of course, with this whole pandemic that we've gone through and still, you know, it's kind of this long hangover that we're still dealing with is that many people have learned that they can work remotely. They've moved out of cities uh, as long as you can find yourself a decent Internet connection and you've got a computer is that um, that's what I was going to ask. You'll be able to maintain or continue managing your business as you're on this trip. And it sounds like you've got that already sort of planned in. You'll have some travel days and some work days. So 
Yeah, exactly. And we have a we have a manager here that's based here in Guatemala who manages all of the all of the gear and all of the cockpits. Um, so she'll be she'll be here um, and we'll come back on a quarterly basis to see how things are going, make sure everything is OK. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, we'll be riding three or four days and off three or four days. Um, it just sort of depends on, on where we are and and what our workload is like at the time. So do you have a route sort of put together or is that still in works? Because when are you planning on leaving? Uh, it's you know, it's October now, uh, 2021 next year in. Next year, March. March 5th, 2022 is when we're leaving Guatemala. Um, the plan is to go north through Mexico for the month of March. And our, our goal is to enter into the States uh, in April. Okay. That already like caused a huge problem when we looked into it because we realized that, um, so the CDC in the States, they put out this ban on dogs from high-risk rabies countries, which Guatemala is one of. Um, they, they won't allow you in unless you have a specific permit. And there's all of this hoopla to get the permit and you can't go by land to enter the state, you have to fly. And you can only fly to like a select number of airports. I'm doing an overland trip, my dog is on my <laughs> bike. And so I have to come up with a way to get her across the border. Um, we have a few ways we might get around that, um, but if we were to do it properly, we potentially would have to fly her from Guatemala City to Los Angeles, and then I would fly as well. Uh, Greg would stay with the bikes uh, in Tijuana. We would go to I would go to LAX with Moxie, and then we would go back down to the border. I would cross the border, take my bike, cross back over the border, put Moxie back on, and continue. Wow. Well, so that was one. Of, I mean, that's one of the things I was going to ask about because I mean, any international, especially you know, multiple border crossings, you know, anything I've read about and you know, shows I've watched is that there's always a lot of paperwork and there's you know, so forth with carnets and so forth to be able to take your motorcycles across the border so you're not going to sell them. But with a, a with an animal like a dog, I was like, is that that adds a whole other level of complexity? And you just you know, sounds like the United States is uh, is got one of the reasons why. So yeah. Yeah, and it's it's so funny. Like you would think that like the bikes shipping the bikes would be the hardest thing. No way, shipping the dog shipping a seventy five pound dog is right. the biggest issue for this whole the logistics for this whole trip. She is my my biggest issue, mainly because she's so big that she can't fit in most airlines. So we have to fly from North America to Europe. So that's one leg. Um, we'll probably take the ferry across uh, into Africa. That's fine. But then from Asia back down, uh, again, we're probably on a flight. So it's it's arranging those things that I think are going to be the most difficult um, because they're just really select um, airlines that will take us. She's in an extra large uh, sized crate, a Series 700. It's the giant size. So there's not a lot of airlines that will take her. Wow. So you'll be going up through Central America, through the United States. Uh, I don't know if you're going up into Canada. Then your your next uh, leg will be in Europe. It yeah. Will... So yeah. So we'll spend we'll spend uh, April, May, and June in in the states. Our plan is to go up to Alaska. If I can sort everything out with Moxie's permit and leave <laughs> Canada and go into Alaska, yes, right. the plan right. is to go to Alaska, come back down, and then we'll go to Toronto, and that's where my family is. Um, and the the thought there was that Air Canada has that ship of a ship of bike and ship of pet. Um, they've got that shipping program that they suspended uh, during COVID, but maybe by next year it'll be going on again. Okay. So the idea would be to fly ourselves and the bikes and Moxie um, from Toronto either to London or to Frankfurt, 
um, that's probably the easiest, especially because we don't want to do stopovers with Moxie. Um, and then we would um, be in Europe. Uh, that would be like September, October next year. And then we would sort of hightail it through uh, Europe and go south um, so that we can get into Africa first. The goal would be to go through uh, Western Africa. We'll go through our old stomping grounds in Liberia and then go back down south um, and then into South Africa, then back up on the eastern side. Um, and then we'll see our old people in South Sudan again. And then from there, we'll, we'll make our way back into Europe. So then we'll be in Europe for the spring and summer of 2023 when the riding season is on and we get mm -hmm. to go to all of the cool shows and everything that's going on. Um, and then from there, we head further uh, east. Um, we want to go through Kazakhstan, through the stands. We want to go into, to, um, into India. And then we're not sure on that side how we're going to get through China. Um, and potentially Malaysia is where we would like to end to ship our bikes um, and go down to South Africa, uh, South America, so that we can start uh, at the bottom of South America and ride all the way back up and finish in Guatemala. Wow, wow, that is going to be quite an undertaking. So I know, like, as you said, you know, these days, you know, anybody that uh, has an adventurous spirit, as motorcyclist, you know, always has a as a dream to do a, a trip like this, but it really is challenging for a lot of people. It's the the time, the money, it's like, you know, all those sort of things have to line up uh, together. But uh, it sounds like you've got not only the, you know, desire to do the trip, uh, you and Greg, but to do it with Moxie, that's going to be really special. But then that you're doing this to support an organization that you really believe in, because you it sounds like you both have been, as you said, you were aid workers, you both have worked with and supported nonprofits. So uh, that's great. That's very admirable. It's not just for your own glory, but it's for, you know, to support an organization you believe in. So. Yeah, and, and Girl Up is just it's just really such a cool organization. And and the good thing is is we're gonna get to go and see the girls girl clubs as we pass through. So we get to see them in Mexico, in the states, and then when we get into Europe and to Africa, we're gonna get a chance to meet with the girls, sort of hear what they what they've been going through, what things that they're advocating for in their communities, uh, to their governments, um, all of the issues that sort of affect them. And our plan is um, right now on YouTube we've got a YouTube series called On Two Wheels and Four Paws. Um, and the goal is to do uh, weekly episodes. And so when we do get a chance to go and see the Girl Up Clubs, we're going to be filming them and be able to share that story with everybody who's sort of following along so that they can see what their donation is going to go towards. So since you're trying to raise funds, how do people support this, this effort? So there's two ways you can support. The first one is you can go to goroughly.com slash world adventure. That's our main page where you can go and you can just make a, a tax, uh, tax deductible donation if you're in the States. Um, but you can make a donation through there that goes directly to Girl Up. Um, and so that's one way you can do it. The other way is if you come to goroughly.com, if you purchase any gear, 10% of the gear purchase will go towards the fundraiser. So if you have, if you're a dog lover or if you know somebody who, who has a dog, you're looking for Christmas gifts, uh, if you come and shop at goroughly.com, you'll know that 10% of your proceeds, the proceeds will go towards the fundraiser. Well, very cool. Well, we'll make sure we have some links in the show notes, but uh, yeah, goroughly.com. So what do you've got going on between now and, and there's got to be a lot of preparation for a trip like this. I mean, it sounds like you've got your itinerary. It's not set in stone. You've, you know, there's, it sounds like there's a few places that you may anticipate some, some challenges. Um, what, what goes, I mean, there's just got to be a ton of preparation. So the biggest preparation, biggest issue that we had, Moxie had spinal surgery about two months ago. 
she as a german shepherd like they're prone to having issues normally it's hip issues but for her she had uh, spinal stenosis so basically the vertebrae was pressing down on her spine and it was causing her pain and we had noticed it um, in a trip that we did in at the beginning of this year um, we realized that she didn't want to leap up onto the bike as much anymore um, and she was she was a bit hesitant uh, when she was going upstairs she sort of had to use her snout to like balance and it was just very odd we hadn't seen that before and Moxie, she was only four. Now she's five. She was only four at the time. Um, so that was very rare. So we went to the uh, specialist in the city in Guatemala City, um, and they did an MRI, and they saw that there was uh, her spine was being compressed. So two months ago, she had surgery to remove a piece of her vertebrae to give her spine space to, um, um, to relieve the pressure on her spine. And since then, she's been in recovery um, for these past two months. And it's been the first few months, first few weeks were difficult. Uh, she, we were supposed to keep her under house arrest. She wasn't allowed to go outside. She, she had to be on a leash and like, she is a very active dog. So keeping this dog still was difficult. Um, but soon enough, like within the first, after like the six week period, she was like back to normal. And now she, she'll, she can walk up the stairs. Uh, she can actually do the dog stretch again and stretch her back out, which was obviously paining her before and she didn't want to do it. And now she does it easily. Um, and last weekend was our first ride together since her surgery. And let me tell you, when she was at the bike, she's like, she just was able to leap right up. And I was the one who was like trying to prevent her. I wanted her to go <laughs> slow. I wanted to lift her up and right. use the handle. No, she just wanted to leap up and she was ready to go. So um, that has been like the biggest stress that, that I really had about this trip, because if, if she can't go, we can't do this. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so you'll be, uh, you know, again, you know, doing an around the world trip, there's a lot of gear that you've got to take with you. You've got, you know, you have camping gear, you have clothing, I mean, everything that, you know, would go, but you, you'll have a passenger, you'll have Moxie. And so um, I imagine you've got to make some, some compromises in terms of what you and Greg can do uh, in terms of what you can take with you. Um, so is, um, how's that going for the preparation? So right now we have, so we both have side cases. Those are obviously going to be full. Um, we've got hard cases, not soft cases. Um, for me, because I've got Moxie on the back, um, what I like to do is I've got like tanier pank bags on the front. It sort of balances out the weight as well. And it gives me space to like add in Moxie stuff. So, so her kibble and her bowls and things aren't mixed in with my, my clothes. Like they're out in the front there. They're easy to access. Um, those are sort of Moxie's pockets. And then, um, I'm probably going to have two small duffels on the top of my, my panniers, um, just to give me some extra space. Um, but Greg is really going to be carrying everything. Um, Giant Loop was lovely to us, and they provided us with these Tillamook um, um, stuff sack um, carrying bags, duffels, <laughs> and those are going to be awesome. So he has two of those on the back of his bike, and that basically carries all of our camping equipment, um, our hiking boots so that we can have those, um, and, and things like that. So he has the majority of the heavy stuff, um, right. and I basically have Moxie and then my stuff and her stuff. Right, right. Yeah, Giant Loop makes some great gear. So I'm glad, glad to hear that they're supporting you guys. So, uh, so um, in terms of the riding, is it um, uh, again with a with a uh, the dog as a passenger? Are you going to try and stay on? I know paved roads aren't common in some places, but is is that something that you're 
uh, concerned about with some of the sand in some places or some of the off-road riding? I mean, maybe you've done some of that with her already, but. Yeah, so in Guatemala, obviously you have to do off-road. Like the, the road outside of our house is not paved, it's, it's rubble. Um, so yes, I have, I know that I have done a lot of off-road with her. I've had a lot of tip overs with her in the off-road and she's been perfectly fine. Um, but yes, I definitely expect that we're going to be doing a lot of off-road ones, especially when we get into Africa. Um, there are stretches where like there's, there could be the main road, but maybe not, maybe it's been washed out. Um, we've, I lived in Africa for six years, so I sort of understand what the situation is going to be like. So I'm going to have to just be aware of that. I am not the best off-road rider, I have to admit. I, I really struggle with it um, and I can get through it definitely. Is it my favorite thing? No, I would never consider myself an off-road rider. I'm just just not. I enjoy being on the paved roads, uh, but I, I know it's important to be able to do it and to have that skill. Um, so the hope is maybe that we'll be able to take a raw hide course once we get back to the States and, and just do a little refresher and practice. Um, the cool thing is out here, the, the BMW, they do have their BMW classes. And so I've taken some of those and, and practiced my off-roading skills. Um, so I'm prepping myself uh, to know that I'm going to have to do it because there are going to be times where it's just going to be full of sand and there's no other way to get through it. And you're just going to have to go. Um, and the cool thing is, is if it's a short stretch and it's really technical and tough, I'll let Moxie jump down and she'll just run along beside oh, and yeah, that just point. makes it a lot easier. You know? Right, right. She doesn't have to be on, on board the entire time. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah so. And she's, she's fine with that. She loves to ride, uh, run beside the bike. She does like to get in my way sometimes, but uh, <laughs> for the most part, I can just yell at her and stay to the right, to the right Moxie. And then she'll go over. So, right. well, I, you know, for some of the places you want to go, you're really trying to do a, a real trip around the world and that, um, uh, off-roads just part of the part of the game you know there just aren't you know paved roads everywhere and some of the places you want to go and see uh, that's part of it and uh, well as you know I mean it, you you know the more off-road riding you do I don't consider myself uh, a skilled off-road rider either I enjoy it but mainly because of the places I can go that are away from people you mm -hmm. can go camp in remote places there's these backcountry discovery routes in the United States that are great um, but I know that I, I'm primarily a street rider but when I do go off-road if I, especially multiple days in a row, I get better and better. I get more comfortable. It's like anything else. It's like, you know, people on boats, they get their sea legs or something like that. So that's exactly it. I, it, in the last trip that we did, so we, we did like a three week trip just around Guatemala to see some of the places that we hadn't seen yet. Um, and there was this, this long stretch um, that was unpaved um, that they were doing road construction. So they tore up all the tarmac and it was just basically really deep gravel. Um, and at the beginning, obviously you get that little, the jitter of like, oh no, like it's my bike, it's swerving. Like, what am I doing? I got to look ahead. I like practicing all of those skills. But after like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, I was like, okay, like I was able to take a, take a breath. And that's how I'm hoping that this trip is going to be that at the beginning, it's going to be a little bit more difficult and you might get that initial sort of scare, but the sort of the muscle memory is going to come back and I'm going to be able to do it a bit, a bit better each time. Um, so that that's really my hope. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, I, I'm really excited for you and Greg and Moxie. I think uh, what you guys are going to do is, is going to be an awesome adventure. You're doing it for a great cause that you believe in. Um, is there anything else you want to share with folks? Well, like I said, we'll make sure there are links to goroughly.com and the pages where they can uh, donate and support your, your efforts. Is there anything else you want to share with folks? I think what for anybody who's got a dog out there and is looking to take them along, uh, the canine motocock, but I'm telling you, it's like the coolest thing. 
um, being the, the founder of Roughly and creating these for people, like the joy that people get out of being with their dog, it's the same thing that I experience. It's just, it's such an amazing feeling to be able to take your dog to these places that in the past you couldn't. Um, we've got people who go and take them out to like the, the, the fishing hole that's like down the dirt path or, or we've got them where they go on, on these like around Canada trips and, or in Australia, we have people who have done the deserts and it's just such a, a cool thing to be able to take your dog like that. So um, at goroughly.com, we've got like a live chat app. Um, and if you have any questions, like that's a great way to interact with us and ask your questions. Um, but it's something that if you're thinking about it, like I know right now we're in October and the seasons are changing in North America, um, but to think about what you wanna do in the springtime to be able to bring your dog along especially if you've got a new puppy because of the pandemic and you thought, okay, now is the time and, and you don't <laughs> right. want to leave them at home, but they've gotten big and you don't know what to do with them. Uh, the, the cockpit is a great option for you. So, um, and we, we fit in on a whole bunch of different bikes. It's not just ADV bikes. We've got them on Harleys. We've got the hunting cruisers or we've got them on some naked bikes as well. We've got them on e-bikes. Uh, it's just a, it's just a really customizable thing. So if you've got a big dog and you're looking for a way to take them along, come and check us out. Well, I'll uh, have to let, uh, I don't know if you know Alonzo Bowden. He's a comedian who's also a motorcycle enthusiast. He's a big guy. His main bike is a Triumph Rocket 3, so a big, huge motorcycle. And he has a dog that is, a, he has a Great Dane. Um, his name is Hulk. And I don't know how big he is now, but every time I see his posts on Instagram, that dog gets bigger and bigger. So uh, to see if he can uh, maybe get Hulk on the back of his his Triumph. So. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, we've done I we've done one for a, a dog that's 120 pounds. Wow! So that's uh, that's as big as we've gotten. So maybe maybe Hulk will uh, be at that level. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, the, people can see photos on the Go Roughly website. I'll make sure and we include a link because we have an online version of the story that you wrote in Rider a few years ago, and you've got some great photos in there of Moxie and the and the Canine Moto cockpit. So. I, hey, I really appreciate your time. I'm glad we had a great connection uh, with you all the way down there in, in Guatemala. And um, again, I appreciate you coming on the show and I wish you the best of luck with your journey next year. Oh, thank you so much, Greg. I really appreciate it. Awesome. So for the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, I'm Greg Drevenstead. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down. If you've enjoyed listening to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, please subscribe, leave us a positive rating and tell your friends. We also encourage you to visit ridermagazine.com where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Rider Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening.